I'm Dane. I'm Elaine. And this is Sublime True Crime. Being brought to you again from yet another week in lockdown. Oh, thanks to coronavirus. Will it ever end? Oh, it feels like it's been going on forever. How long have we been in lockdown now? About 18 months. <laughs> I think it's only three weeks, is it isn't about... it? Two and a half, three weeks? Yeah, it was a bit longer for me, wasn't it? Because children well, and I were poorly so <laughs> you and the two kids got ill the week before we got actually locked down we so did. you were already self so I've had a bonus bonus week of bonus week. self-isolation <laughs> yes for me it's been probably two and a half weeks since the official lockdown maybe a bit more no it's been less than that oh it feels like forever you were in work still for until they said that you didn't have to yeah well there was a, the official lockdown which was I think on the Monday or the Tuesday and then, oh, I don't know. Well, yeah, it's been forever. It's a blur. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> oh, it's Easter. Apparently, happy Easter. Happy Easter. Yeah, no idea who, when, what, where, why. No, it's a nightmare. Keeping track of things going out of date in the fridge is a nightmare because I don't know what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> this one out of date in March. Are we still in March? <laughs> no. It's grown fur. <laughs> I think we can safely throw that out. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> anyway, this week's case is the case of Anthony Arkwright. Now, I've written this up, but you haven't gone through it at all yet, have you? So I this haven't. is a complete surprise to you. This is brand new information. Brand new. <laughs> so what we normally do is we normally have a read-through just to um, go through it to make sure we can pronounce everything mm -hmm. so that I can tell you what bits I can't pronounce so that you can do those bits for me. Yeah, thanks for that. So this time, I'll know you'll just suddenly go, you, you do this bit, you do this bit. <laughs> there you go. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is a Welsh place name that I can't say. There you go. Oh, no. Um, and also, normally when we go through this, you then come up with some other extra bits and pieces to add to it, don't you? So, um, yeah. So this might be a little bit sparse. It might be, because I am the um, research ninja. The research ninja. I am. The official title. I like that. <laughs> anyway, shall we begin? We can. Okay. Anthony Arkwright had boasted to friends that one day he would be as famous as Jack the Ripper. Well, he's failed straight away, because I've never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, point one. Who? <laughs> That's not really a thing you want to boast about, is it? Sorry, Anthony Arkwright. Mm. Never heard of you. Born in the mining community of Wathpon-Derm, in what was then the West Riding of Yorkshire, Anthony was one of five siblings, all of whom were abandoned by their mother at an early age. Aww. With his father working as a miner, Yorkshire, not really a surprise, is it? No. Anthony's childhood was mainly spent in care homes. He didn't enjoy school and struggled, performing badly, which led to a life of crime and a sentence in Borstal. Rumours persisted that he was the product of an incestuous relationship, and though these seemed to be untrue, it was something that certainly tormented Anthony. During his time locked away, he was said to be often found in the prison libraries reading about serial killers. See, I initially thought, prison library, great. Yep. Reading about serial killers. Not so great. Not so great. He idolised Peter Sutcliffe and Jack the Ripper, boasting that he would one day become as famous or as infamous as them. Already well known to police as a petty criminal, Anthony had served a 30-month youth custody sentence for burglary and disorder by the time he was 21, which is when this story starts. He was forever at odds with neighbours and had also served a six-month jail term. Following his release, Anthony moved to a council flat in Denman Road in West South Yorkshire, where he'd been born and raised. Said to have built himself a set of dens around the area, he would spend hours in these hideouts, armed with a hunting knife, fantasising about people that he wanted to hurt or kill. Lovely. Hmm. That's not to say he didn't work, though. 
By now, he had found work at a scrap merchant's in Mexborough, South Yorkshire, though how often he was actually there is up for debate. In between working, or more often than not when skiving from work, Arkwright turned his hand to crime. One of his neighbours, Raymond Ford, a severely depressed, ill, heavy drinker who lived in virtual squalor, was a particular favourite target of Arkwright's. He would smash his windows just for the sake of it or force dog crap through his letterbox. See, the thing with that is you have to pick up the dog crap to be able to do that. Hmm. Yeah, no one wins there, do they? No. Towards the end of August, he broke in and stole a microwave oven and a valuable antique clock. Ford knew that Arkwright was the most likely suspect to have broken into his home and he reported his suspicions to the police. When Arkwright turned up for work a few days later on the 27th of August 1988, he was called into the office and sacked due to his poor attendance record and bad attitude. This dismissal caused something to snap inside of Anthony Arkwright. Following his sacking, Arkwright returned to Worth upon Dern to visit his grandfather at his allotment in Ruskin Drive, Mexborough. Arkwright believed, incorrectly, that his grandfather, 68-year-old Stasis Podokis, was in fact his father, and that his birth was the result of an incestuous relationship between his grandfather and mother. He attacked his 68-year-old Lithuanian-born grandfather as he tended to his allotment. Stabbing him in the neck, Arkwright severed an artery which would have made his grandfather lose consciousness almost immediately. He then attacked him with an axe and crushed his skull with a 14-pound 6.4 kilogram lump hammer before locking the body in a shed. Bloody hell. Yeah. It's believed that after this, as he was in the process of taking his grandfather's savings of £3,000, he killed his second victim, his grandfather's housekeeper, 73-year-old Elsa Cronodate. The bodies of both victims remained undiscovered for six days. After this, he went on a pub crawl in Mexborough. Oh, what a wanker. With hindsight, people recall hearing him dropping hints about the murder, saying such things as, it's been murder on the allotment today. Oh, what a little joker. What a twat. Prick. Early the next morning, around 3am, Arkwright decided that he wanted revenge against Raymond Ford for reporting him to the police about the burglary a few days before. Entering Ford's flat... You know what, you've got a question, why on earth was the flat not better secured, given the fact it was so recently broken into? I suppose that if he's... Was he um, alcoholic, poorly... Yeah. Just don't think of these things at that point, do you? Entering Ford's flat through the broken window, which he had caused a few days beforehand, throwing a dustbin through it before burgling the property, Arkwright found Ford slumped in an armchair, heavily drunk. Arkwright then unleashed his full sadistic nature on the defenceless man, completely naked apart from a Prince of Darkness devil mask. What the fuck? I know. Arkwright quickly found his neighbour and stabbed him between 250 and 500 times. Yeah, I should just say, it depends on the reports that you read. Some say 250, some say 500. Either, Either way, it's not a small number. Jesus Christ, that's, that's intense. Such was the intensity of the attack that a knife broke off and was left in the wound. Ugh. Arkwright simply fetched another knife and continued stabbing him. No doubt wanting to emulate his idol, Jack the Ripper, he then gutted and disemboweled the corpse with a surgical precision which criminologists later said echoed the technique used by the Victorian serial killer. Arkwright then draped Ford's entrails round the room, even scattering some of the internal organs round the corridor and hallway. Four hours after breaking in, having been home to shower, police knocked on his door and arrested him for breaking into Ford's flat. And yes, that reads correctly, 
Police arrested Arkwright for the breaking and entering the week before, completely unaware that Raymond Ford was laying dead next door. Oh. After three hours of interviews, Arkwright was released on police bail and scheduled for an appearance in court the following week. Arkwright couldn't believe his luck that a murderer was allowed to walk free from a police station and celebrated by going out for another drinking session. The next day, early in the morning, Arkwright entered the specially adapted bungalow which belonged to his other next-door neighbour, Marcus Law. Law, just 25 at the time, was in a wheelchair following a motorcycling accident. Arkwright targeted Law as punishment for all the cigarettes that Law had scrounged off him in the past. He stabbed Law more than 70 times before trying to gut him. Well, that's perfectly acceptable for ponting a couple of fags, isn't it? Well, fags are so expensive. Bloody hell. Failing to find the skill he had shown when dissecting his previous victim, he instead chose to insert one of Law's crutches into a gaping wound in his stomach. Oh. He then gouged out Law's eyes before inserting cigarettes into his eye sockets, ears and mouth. After finishing at the scene and leaving the bungalow, he happened by chance to bump into Law's mother. While smiling, he remarked on her son's suicide. Naturally worried at this odd comment, she went round to her son's bungalow and found him dead. Police were called and they were very quickly realising that Arkwright was a suspect. Within a few hours they had found him and arrested him on suspicion of the murder of Marcus Law. However, Arkwright denied the murder during his interview, instead shuffling through a pack of playing cards that he had on him. And who takes a pack of playing cards into a police interview? I'm amazed that the police are so restrained, I'd want to shove them up his arsehole. Yes. When he got to the Four of Hearts card, he said, quote, I can read the future from these cards. This is the master card. It means you have four bodies and a madman on the loose. I can see Marcus Law, but the others are indescribable. They are just too horrible to describe. End quote. Having little evidence against him, the police decided to conduct some inquiries and to follow up Arkwright's claims of four bodies. Remembering that Raymond Ford had named Arkwright as a man who burgled him, PC David Winter was sent to Ford's home to see if he could get any information from Ford that may help with a new murder inquiry. He quickly discovered the horrific scene and the investigation moved into looking at two murders. On being told of the discovery of Ford's body, Arkwright confessed to four murders in total, still two more than the police had bodies for. Police contacted friends and acquaintances of Arkwright to try to identify anybody that was missing. Six days after they had both been murdered, the bodies of Stasis and Elsa were discovered. Arkwright then invented a fifth victim in what is now believed to be an effort to keep some element of control. Further searches were undertaken of lakes and drainage ditches, with no further bodies found. That really annoys me, the fact that he's murdered all these people and then he's inventing more people just for the attention and to waste police time. Yeah. It's a real troubled mind, that, isn't it? Yeah, really is. Arkwright was placed in HMP Hull awaiting trial. While there, he smeared the walls of his cell with his own excrement in a protest at not being recognised and revered, as he believed he should be. And what better way to get over that than smearing the walls with shit? <sighs> Sometimes, though, you wonder, are people doing this in order to say that they're insane? Yeah. 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 Convincing prison doctors that he was insane, funny you should say that, <laughs> He was then transferred to Rampton Hospital in Nottinghamshire, only for psychiatrists there to determine that not only was he sane and fit to stand trial, 
but one doctor even went so far as to call him, quote, the sanest person in the building, <laughs> end quote. I hate to see what the staff toilets must have been like then. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, <laughs> it's like I was just looking going, all he did was smear it a poo around. It's completely normal. Anyone can do that. <laughs> My two-year-old does it. But a problem makes my heart work. <laughs> Arkwright's trial took place in Sheffield Crown Court in July 1989, where he pleaded guilty and was sentenced to life for three murders with a recommended minimum term of 25 years. Why only three murders? The case for killing Cronodate was unproven. And at the trial, the judge ordered the case to lie in his file. I think that's interesting because they can always come back to it then. I suppose so. If it ever gets released, they can go, actually... Yeah, hang on. <laughs> shitty bollocks, we can mm. get you on a fourth. Arkwright showed no emotion when sentenced and has still never given any explanation for his actions. The year after the trial, the then Home Secretary reviewed the case and imposed a whole life sentence, meaning that Arkwright would never be released. Good. In 2013, the European Court of Human Rights decreed that whole life tariffs without the option for review or parole amounted to inhuman and degrading treatment, which gave Arkwright hope of release. On the 19th of February the following year, 2014, Arkwright, along with killer Arthur Hutchinson, appealed against the whole of life tariffs. Three High Court judges rejected the appeal, saying the government's whole life tariff was completely lawful with the Court of Appeal ruling that the whole life sentences were entirely compatible with the European Convention of Human Rights. Anthony Arkwright never became synonymous with serial killers the way he once hoped, and chances are that you've probably never heard of him until now. Unfortunately, his lack of infamy hasn't stemmed the harrowing memories for the families, and 14 years after the horrible murder of his son, Marcus Law's father, Tony, committed suicide. As for the police's view on Arkwright, Detective Inspector Bob Meek from South Yorkshire Police said, quote, From the day we brought him in for the Marcus Law murder to the day he was jailed, Arkwright seemed genuinely proud of what he had done. He expected everyone to revere him, to be fascinated by him. He was a messed up kid, desperate for attention. In his defected mind, he chose murder to get the attention he craved. He's the most dangerous person I ever met in 25 years on the job. He should never get out, end quote. And that is the case of Anthony Arkwright. What are your thoughts? Had you ever heard of Arkwright before today? I have not, most definitely. I've come across him in the past, but certainly wouldn't put him synonymous with serial killers. You put, you listen to quite a lot of different true crime um, podcasts, though, so I'd imagine that you've probably come across him on, on some of those in the past. Yeah. Did he deserve a whole-of-life sentence, meaning he will never, ever get out of prison? I think so. Killing four people, or being found guilty of killing three people and a fourth one that's on file. I think the way he did it as well. And also, Marcus Law, his poor mother, saying about meeting up with her in the the street and saying about her son's suicide. Just for that alone, I could... There was a lot of senseless killing, wasn't there? There was. There really was. And a very vulnerable people. Yes. Very easy targets, all of them. Mm. Let us know. You can email us, dan at sublimetruecrime.com or elaine at sublimetruecrime.com Or you can reach us via the Facebook page. Just search for Sublime True Crime. If you're enjoying the series, please leave us a review. Preferably a five-star one, please. As it helps us to reach more people. And if you can think of any cases that you'd like us to cover, please do let us know. 
Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.